welcome to Teachers Teach Teaching. Uh, my name is Shannon. And I'm Amber. And today we're going to talk about uh, teaching synchronously, uh, which is teaching uh, within the confines of time, but not necessarily the confines of space when you're teaching online. Um, really excited to talk about this, you know, especially as we've transitioned to more of a distance learning um, model. There are a lot of schools, districts, um, you know, just individual teachers who are pushing synchronous learning. This is really what we're used to when it comes to a school setting. We're used to synchronous learning in a traditional setting. So a lot of schools are continuing to push that idea of synchronous learning using the time schedule, using the school day, rather than allowing a full asynchronous model. Uh, so today we're going to go through some of our best tips for authentic synchronous learning and making it work for you. Yes, and you can also, if you're interested in asynchronous ideas, we talked about that in a previous episode that you can also check out because um, I would say probably, I mean, I shouldn't speak for Shannon, but I think we're probably both advocates for a combination of both. Yep, combo um, Yes. So uh, the first thing I want you to think about if you really are trying to make that decision of like, if you have the option to decide to do some things that are pre-recorded um, versus live, how do you make that choice? And so for me, it's always thinking about if it's going to be synchronous. So if you are doing it live, there has to be interaction. That should be the goal. It should not just be you talking. If you're just going to talk, so if you're just going to do a lecture or something like that, you should pre-record that um, and give that to the students to watch and interact with um, at their own time. If you are asking and really hoping that students make the choice to show up live, you want to include them. There needs to be a reason for them to for them to show up live. And the big reason should be that there's going to be interaction and that that interaction is going to help them. Yep. And so this is the real philosophy behind flipped learning. And I think it's really important that we consider synchronous learning much like we do flipped learning. So we're taking the idea of homework and kind of tossing it on, on its head where you say when, when we're together in person at the same time, that's when you're going to work through it yourself so that your homework then becomes me telling you all the things. It doesn't matter when I'm telling you them. It doesn't matter if you, you know, watch that video at night or in the morning before you show up. Um, but when we get together, you know, it's for the kid who goes home and tries to do their homework and they're saying like, I don't know anything anymore. I listened, but I don't remember how to apply it. And now I can't get to my homework. Um, so that's one way to really think about synchronous learning and make that effective for students. Um, and I would say the second big thing to kind of kick things off along with that mindset shift is to set your expectations. And I know we've talked about this again and again and again, that you should start every learning uh, time period, class period, however you wanna look at that, uh, with those expectations. So telling students, you know, this is how you raise your hand. These are my expectations for chat. This is what you do if you have a question. Um, when I ask a question, this is what I expect from you. Um, you know, and I think, I think it's important for us to talk about, Amber, are you, a camera's on or camera's off? Um, I, of course, enjoy when students choose to turn their cameras on, but it is totally their choice. Yep. I'm the same way. Um, 
I, I think it's, it's so important that we give students that choice because the amount of pressure, especially if we step into a kid's, um, into their shoes of like, is my space okay? Are people looking at my space? It's, that's such a personal thing to allow people into your home. Um, and when we, you know, get rid of the space of a traditional classroom, we are inviting people into our homes, even if it's just through the computer. Uh, so I'm yeah. with you. Cameras on or off, but I let the students choose. I think the other part of that that I've that I've noticed um, is sometimes, no, not always, but sometimes students will, when they kind of have that safety of having their camera off, will interact more in the chat because no one is seeing their face turn red if they're kind of embarrassed or like any of those things that students are often worried about when they raise their hand in class or when you call on them in class. Um, so. There can be benefits to it. Obviously, it can be a little sad sometimes to be um, teaching to all black squares, but you know that is just something for you to think about. And I would also say, as we remind you to, to set those expectations at the beginning of every time, so you 100% could verbally um, speak them at the beginning, which I do sometimes. I also uh, will often just like, you know, do like one slide that's always, always done and then I make slight adjustments to that I share my screen and that's what students see as they're joining the class because because obviously they don't all show up like the second that class is supposed to start because now you're also dealing with not everyone's clocks are set the same and all those things um so I try and give like five minutes some wiggle room for people to get there um but it gives other students some things to do of like here are the reminders hey if you have questions start throwing those in the chat giving them different prompts to get them to start interacting and doing um just kind of getting themselves set up for whatever we're going to do that day just like you would in the classroom you would probably have things written on your whiteboard or up on your smart board something like that you can do that same thing of like hey this is going to give you some instructions to get started because we got to give everybody some time to get in here. Yep, absolutely. I would love to talk in a future episode about like classroom routines, beginning and end when it comes to distance learning. Yes. Note that. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about specific tips for asynchronous learning. Um, you know, we've talked about that this is really the student's time to dig into topics with you. Um, what other what other strategies are you using, Amber? Yeah, so um, I really like to use it as time to answer students' questions. So uh, like really approaching it kind of as a Q&A and helping them with their assignments. So um, I try to have, I just have one live call a week. Obviously everyone's schedule is different um, and try and schedule the due dates around that so that they always have a, a couple days after our live sessions to get that done. Um, because obviously we know students that think they're going to fail are more likely to just 100% fail by not turning things in. And so um, like just pulling up the assignment on the screen and, and sometimes we'll just like start filling it out together or talking about where are you, like, where are you getting stuck? What are you unsure of? Like, let's work through it together. And after they see you do that a few times where they're like, oh my gosh, you just gave me some of the answers. Um, they will be much more willing to come to you with those questions and also be more excited to come to the class calls when they're like, oh, 
I might even get like my whole homework assignment done during the call, depending on what it is. Um, so that's like other thing for, for you, like, cause we're trying to take care of both teachers and students here is like, mm -hmm. especially if you're just starting to teach online, you're probably like, oh my gosh, I don't have enough time to do anything. This is also giving yourself permission of you're not doing a ton of planning for these live calls. You like, you hopefully know enough of like, know how to, uh, support the assignments, answer the assignments. Like you are just, sh you are showing up as the expert to support and walk through. You're not writing a like 90 step lesson plan. Um, I would also say the more you give students a heads up, the more likely you are to get participation. It's all about creating that safety of, so I will also tell students, hey, today is 100% a Q&A day. Like, um, bring me whatever you have. You can, you know, put it, I give them a place that they can write it down before the call if they want to, um, especially like if they know they can't make the call, but they really still have a question and, and want support because you don't want to lose those students that for whatever reason may not be able to always attend. Um, and, it, I will also let them know like, hey, Q&A can be about and then give some sample questions like, do you need help with your assignment? Are you confused about um, like, do you know where to find your grades? Because, oh my gosh, I think my students uh, were in week 11. Um, I don't, I can't even tell you how many times I've like have a video show them how to check their grades and we just went over this and there were still a couple of them that were like, I don't know how to check my grades. Okay. Um, like, what do you want to, you can think about like your grade level. Like, do you have questions about college? Do you have random questions you hope that I would answer? Like, I really try and make like spe specific Q and A sessions, like kind of fun and, um, like more playful, low risk. Like, like, do you want to show up and ask me what my favorite color is? I will answer. Um, yeah. And just, they're more likely to engage because again, part of the goal is yes, you want to help them. And we just, we want them to, we want them to show up and engage. And so thinking about like, what is the smallest step for them to do that? Um, another part of that is if I'm asking them questions. So obviously sometimes you might have just given instruction and then you're like, um, I can't see any of your faces. I did that make any sense to any of you. Did I actually answer the question that you were asking me? Um, and so I will often like ask like for clarity, like, was that, was that helpful? Do you have follow-up questions and ask everyone of like, Hey, I just need a yes or no in the chat, like drop that in there because otherwise I don't know if I should be waiting for you. Like, I don't know if you're typing or not. And then that often gets a couple cameras to turn on. Cause then they're like, Oh, this poor woman, um, mm -hmm. has, has like no idea what we're doing. Um, or like, Hey, on a scale of one to five, like one, you have no idea what the heck is going on this week. Five, you feel like a rock star. Three, you think you might know, but you don't. And, and like the numbers will, they tend to be pretty, like pretty honest with those and those can help guide you. But like whatever, whatever is so, so simple. Yep. Um, I love the one through five scale because I think that also takes the pressure off like generating a question for a lot of students, I'm thinking especially for our little guys, is tough to generate a, a thoughtful question that can help drive us. But if we're giving that one through five scale of like, um, how comfortable do you feel about 
what you're supposed to be doing this week, even your little guys can answer that. And so then that's your chance to say, okay, it looks like a lot of people are saying one, two, or three, which tells me that I need to re-explain. So that's my chance to kind of pull back on um, like maybe all my uh, deliverables that I created, like a sample or any charts um, or visuals that you're using to say like, okay, I want to go over what I'm talking about. Here's this, here's this, here's this. This is what it'll look like when you're done. You know, here's where you should be by tomorrow. Um, and that way we can then reassess then after you give that second explanation. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Are we more confused, less confused? Um, you know, even using emojis can help keep, you know, especially younger kids um, really engaged, give them that little piece of fun. Um, but you're still guiding the learning and using the responses, even if they might not be at the, you know, at the learning level to generate this really thoughtful question. Yep. I also love the reactions of like thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, and we'll even say, cause like, you know, we go over where, where the reactions are, but some students can't find them or don't know. Like you can, you can turn your camera on and you can give me like a real thumbs up or thumbs down. Thank you very much. You can use, um, you can use reactions. And I think my favorite is the students that like, don't actually think it's thumbs up or thumbs down of whatever like other random reaction they choose to give me. And I, and like, I try and watch for those and then comment on them of like making it kind of fun um, and playful. Cause then students will try and I'm like, Oh, you just gave me a, like this, that must mean, um, just to continue to make it like, whatever, really, I just need, I just need some kind of feedback from you of like, are we all on the right track? Yep. Um, another part of that is wait time. Like, I think we, we know, and that's part of why I'm always like, I need you to say yes or no, or give a rating. Um, like it's hard to do wait time in the classroom when you can still sort of tell that students are, are thinking, but like online, it can be really hard. And so, um, I will say to students, I just ask you a question. I will either the question is already like on a slide for them to see, or I'm like, I'm going to also throw it in the chat because expecting them to, depending on how complex your question is, especially expecting them to like, remember the question, process the question, type the answer is a, a lot. So just like, just accepting that and being like, okay, I'm also throwing it, I'm putting it here for you. Um, and then we'll say, and now I'm setting a timer for three minutes or whatever amount of time se seems reasonable for the type of question that I just asked them. And then I actually set a timer. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and the only time where I start to re-engage before the timer goes off is if all of the students have responded. Because the other thing that I think can be really tempting is once like two or three have, have dropped something in the chat to start to engage with that. But then you're like, one, you just told the kids they were getting three minutes. Mm -hmm. And two, you are, it's all, it tends to always be the same ones that are really fast. So like you have to kind of, you can sit there and start to read them. I might actually start to type back to them in the chat. Um, but I will wait until the buzzer goes off um, yeah. unless everyone has, has somehow, um, somehow answered, but it's yep. that, I think, you know, 
with that wait time, it's, it's giving students that, that thinking time. So the second you start to kind of jump in again during your wait time, now you're distracting. Um, and that's something that I, you know, it's even in the classroom, if you're giving wait time or, you know, you have five minutes to work on X, Y, Z, and then I'm going to go over in a corner and like shuffle some papers and look at my desk. And, you know, it's, we distract students out of that time that we give them. Um, so I think, you know, really honoring that full time uh, that you've provided shows students it's another level of building trust. And if we're looking at building relationships, um, you know, you're, you're showing students that I'm, I'm going to stick to my word. Yep. And so then I might like sometimes give them a warning of, hey, you have like 30 seconds. So I want you to start dropping it in the chat. Um, the other thing that a lot of my students like to do is they'll have their camera on. And when we go into these of like, okay, I'm giving you three minutes or five minutes, they'll turn their camera off. Yeah. Um, that is, again, it's like a safety comfort thing, but help that can even be a way of helping them to know, like, just, just cause you started with your camera on, you don't have to have it on the whole time, um, of like going back and forth. Cause who wants to just be like stared at while you're, while you're like thinking or processing, or like, maybe they're Googling, maybe they're looking at the notes, who knows? I just want you to find the answer. So like all of that, all of that's fine. But, um, definitely a timer has been a huge, huge helper, to hold myself accountable because, oh, three minutes looking at black squares feels long time. <laughs> and so if you don't time yourself, you're probably going to give them like 10 seconds and be like, well, that was enough. Sounds good. I'm ready. <laughs> so I would say before we wrap up, um, the last thing that I like to do is similar to a traditional classroom. Again, we're looking at how we can translate that to a distance learning environment. I like to still give my students jobs. So who's my timekeeper? So if I'm gonna give three minutes, I might not set the timer. I might ask somebody to time it for me. Um, that way I'm keeping them engaged. Again, it's a great opportunity to like pick your lower engaged kids. Um, and now, especially for your little ones, it's gonna help them feel really important. Um, they really have a, a purpose for being there. Um, I also like to give them an opportunity to uh, take over the meeting. So showing them how to share their screen, you might be setting yourself up for a little bit of craziness, a little bit of stumbling through. But if we start thinking about like soft technology skills that students are gonna take away from distance learning, like, well, and I don't know if it's good or bad, but we're showing, you know, eight-year-olds, 10-year-olds how to um, attend a meeting, how to attend a meeting virtually, um, good computer etiquette, how to share their screen and giving them that time, just like you would in the classroom for them to talk. And even if it's not a question, it's to say, you know, I saw you drop a response in the chat that I'm really interested in, or I saw your emoji. I'm gonna like, I want you to tell the class what that means rather than me trying to guess. Um, and I think with older students, they're gonna be a little bit more guarded. That makes them feel uncomfortable. And so that can even be part of like a pre-assessment or an interest inventory at the beginning of the year to say like, um, if I asked you to speak in front of the class in a distance learning environment, would you be comfortable? Um, or that could even be at the beginning of the class, like temperature check, who wants to speak today? Who's not here for it? And they can you know, let you know. Um, but allowing them to take some ownership in that um, online environment is really fun for students. Um, and a lot of them are gonna buy in on that just like in a traditional classroom. Some students want absolutely nothing to do with that, but it's a great opportunity for them to hear from their peers instead of you. So again, we can kind of switch that up, um, make them feel involved. 
Yeah, so in summary, we really, really encourage you for any synchronous learning that you're doing um, to think about how it can be interactive. It's not about you, it's about the students. And if it's not going to be interactive, then really questioning yourself as to why is it synchronous um, and seeing if that gets some more of your students to show up. Um, and so we want you to take action. We gave you a lot of ideas today of different ways that you can really try to get your students to interact with you and hopefully um, have fun as well. So I want you to think of what is one technique. We're not here to overwhelm anyone. Uh, what is one technique that we talked about that you thought sounded really interesting that you've never done that you um, want to try in the next synchronous class that you teach? You could also even try it like you're probably sitting in a lot of Zoom meetings. Um, give it a try in a meeting. It can also make meetings a little bit more fun and engaging along the way as well. Absolutely. Make sure that you um, subscribe to Teachers Teach Teaching on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Um, if you want to leave a review or rate this podcast, we would really, really appreciate it. And tune in next week for more from Teachers Teach Teaching. Do, 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 do. Yeah. See? We need to make them rate on a scale of one to five because that. Oh, give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Temperature check. <laughs> See you next week. Beautiful. <laughs>